Welcome to Way Family Church. You're listening to our sermon podcast. Way Family Church is a new church plant in Tucson, Arizona. We welcome you to join us every Sunday morning at 1030 for worship, the word, and fellowship. If you'd like more information, visit us online at wayfamily.church. Amen and amen. Today we start a new sermon series titled The Psalms. And don't worry, before you start thinking we're going to go through all of the Psalms, we're not. Okay? Uh, We're going to go through some Psalms, and I think at least for the next month we'll be looking into these. Now, Psalms are beautiful, 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 um, I would say, portion of literature that we find in the Bible. And uh, some of you guys know that Psalms are very poetic, very song form. In fact, that's what they are. Um, But how many of you guys have ever um, felt something in your heart, in the depths of your emotions, let's say, in the depths of your being, and you've had really no way to express it? And then you hear a song. You know what I'm talking about? You hear a song and it's like, yes, that's it. That's what I was trying to say. There's been many times where I tell my wife, I wrote that song, but I really didn't. It's just, that's what I meant, you know? Like, that's what I really wanted to say. In fact, there's a song that I love by Josh Garrels, and this is, this is something that, uh, it really is instrumental in remembering for the, for the moments that I tend to want to forget how much I love my wife. <laughs> there's this song by Josh Garrels, and he, the lyrics that he, writes in this song is just so good to the point where I, th- I just wish I wrote this for her. You know what I mean? It says, like the first man, I was cut so deep by heaven's knife. When I awoke from my sleep, oh my Lord, she's beautiful. She's a part of me. She's my wife. Wow, like, it makes me feel so in love all of a sudden. You see the, you see, you see the power that poems have, that, that songs have? They really have the ability to stir us and to redirect us, right? Sometimes a song is so important. Like, for example, when we're feeling a, in a particular mood, we want to hear a song that matches that mood, don't we? Because it kind of reaffirms what we're experiencing. It's, it's, it's not, it's real. Our feelings are real. Right. And so we don't want to make less of our feelings. God has blessed us with these feelings, even though sometimes they're annoying. Right. To say the least. But when we hear a song that really just matches the feeling, it's, it's really helpful. But what happens thereafter is also more helpful or it could also be hurtful. Now, let's say let's say we're feeling in, in a down downer kind of a mood. So we're going to sing. We're going to listen to a song that probably matches that. But then whatever that song is, whatever happens thereafter, sets the path for what we're going to feel next or how we're going to deal with that feeling, that emotion next. And so it's very important to know, okay, what do I need to feed my soul with right now? Because sometimes just our feelings in themselves, we, the Bible has made it clear, we can't just follow those, the heart, the passions, the feelings, because they can be deceiving. And so what I think the Lord has done, He's blessed us with beautiful psalms, poetry, songs to help direct our hearts and our emotions, especially when they need redirecting. Now, I have a friend who wrote a poem that I really like. His name is Elton Buller, and you may know him. He generally sits right there, right where you're sitting, right here. <clears throat> and he, he wrote this book. It's called From Life to Life. If you don't have this, I encourage you to get one from him. He'll even sign it for you, right? How much is the signature? 
$15. (laughs) And, um, but I want to share one of the poems that he wrote here because I think it's just so fitting for the moment. It's called Singing. Do you know this one? He says, walking along a riverbed, singing a song of which I'm fed. The spirit guides those who listen, daylight subsides, letting the stars glisten. I walk alone, no one near. I sing off tone, hoping no one can hear. Led by the spirit within, he is so strong. A new path I'll begin when I sing a new song. I love that. And I think that's key. Sometimes we have a particular emotion in our hearts, but then a new song comes up and it redirects us, reminds us of what we need to be reminded of if we're listening to the right thing. And so what I'd like to do today is introduce you to this beautiful book called The Psalms. Now, some of you guys are familiar with it, some of you guys have heard of it, but you don't even know what's in it. And I dare say that because that was me for a long time. I knew about the Psalms. In fact, I didn't even understand why people would just have a little uh, New Testament with the Psalms. Like, why is the Psalms so special? That was me for the longest time when I was was, uh, a youth. But the word Psalms comes from the Greek and Latin tradition, which is Salmos. And this word means a song or praises. It's that simple. The Psalms were written throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. So it took a very long time to write this book. In fact, it is arranged in five books. Did you know that? The Psalms is arranged in five books. The end of each book is marked by a doxology. A doxology is just a formal expression of praise where the Lord is blessed for his goodness, his greatness, his wonder. And so in each of the the end of those books, of each of the books that makes up the Psalms, you find that taxology, and then you'll see the beginning of the next book. Book one is made up of Psalms 1 through 41, if you didn't know. If you're writing this, let me know, so I'll slow down. But that's book one of the Psalms, Psalm 1 through 41. Book two is Psalm 42 through 72. Book three, Psalm 73 through 89. Book four is Psalm 90 through 106, and book five is Psalm 107 through 150. Now, according to Jewish tradition, the number of books were chosen to match the five books of Moses or the Torah, and it certainly seems to be the case. Both the five books of Moses and the five books that make up the Psalms are instructions from the Lord, and that's what the word Torah means, instructions from the Lord. And so if you look at Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and you look at Psalm book one, two, three, four, five, you'll see that they actually align quite beautifully. I don't know if you knew that, but I challenge you to go and experience that for yourself. Again, they're God's instructions to his people. Now, specifically, the five books that make up the Psalms are also known as the Psalter. That's important. So if anyone asks you if you have a Psalter, they're not asking you if you have a little salt cellar. It's the Psalms, all right? The books are called the Psalter. And so there's no doubt that, and you may know this, that David authored most of the Psalms. In fact, he authored most of the first book and the second book, without a doubt. There, he's attributed to that. He's accredited to that. He is mentioned over and over. But there are other writers of the Psalms as well, if you did not know that. Moses wrote some Psalms. David's son Solomon wrote some Psalms. 
the sons of Korah, Asaph, and Ethan the Ezraite wrote a few psalms. And then I think it's also noteworthy to mention that there are several other psalms that we just don't know who wrote because they're so ancient. And what's beautiful about it is that um, they were written as poetry, as expressions of worship from the Israelites. So sometimes it was just this new song that came out and someone wrote it and they sang it and they used it similarly to how we use worship songs today in the church. We take a song, we read it, and we think that's a beautiful song that speaks of God's goodness, that speaks of God's mercy, His holiness, just truths about His character. And so what they did is they took these songs and they did the same thing. They did it for corporate worship like we have today, and they also did it for personal worship. It was a way of being able to connect with the Lord, especially when our minds are so fogged up with the things that are happening in this world. And so I challenge you and I prescribe this according to the word of the Lord. If you're ever in a place where you feel like, man, I just don't have the words to express the emotions, the feelings, the pain, the anguish, the rejoicing, the thanksgiving, whatever it may be, open the book of Psalms because you're guaranteed to find something that's going to align with how you're feeling. Because God is not a God that's distant to us, but he's a God that knows us. He knows us very intricately intricately and personally. He knows what we're feeling. He knows what it's like to be human, and he knows exactly what we need. He knows the new song that we need to be able to be redirected according to his will, his mercies, his love for us. And so these songs are timeless. They're never going to get old. And they're ancient, but they're timeless. They speak of the full range of our emotions. They speak of sorrow and joy, anger, peace, doubt, Faith, repentance, and praise, you'll find something, I guarantee you. They are rich in imagery. They express profound emotion and provide instruction. They also provide instruction on celebration and insights into the nature of God. So when we dive into the Psalms, we learn of who God is. Some songs, like music, it's kind of like the Psalter, if you open it up, it's kind of like an ancient Spotify where you can look for certain genres, right? In Spotify, if you use that, or any kind of music player that you use, you can search music according to genres. You can search it according to your moods, let's say. Likewise, the Psalter has something similar. There are psalms that are hymns, songs. They're, they're just poems that help us to be refreshed and renewed. There are psalms that are laments. That means when you're feeling sorrowful, down, brokenhearted, there are psalms for that. There are also psalms of thanksgiving. There are psalms of confidence or encouragement. There are also kingship psalms because, they meant, again, the, the, the Israelites used this, right, for personal and corporate worship. They would take time to praise the Lord for a new king any time a king was crowned. There are also messianic psalms. Those are the prophetic psalms about Jesus. So they were anticipating the Christ, and they wrote about it in these psalms. And so you'll see that they're just profound, and they're complete in every emotion that you can think of. There are also psalms of wisdom. A lot of wisdom can be taken if you spend some time in the Psalms. In fact, we must do that. It's important for us. The first Psalm that I'd like for us to look through, though, because I'm not just giving you an intro of the Psalms, I'm going to show you one in particular, and I think it's an important one. It's the one that provides the purpose of the entire book of Psalms. We can't get into the Psalms without reading this one, all right? And if I may, I will just testify for a second here that this particular Psalm, 
the first one, Psalm 1, is actually what the Lord used to bring me into paths of righteousness. For I was lost and wayward, consumed by my sin. And it is this Psalm, Psalm 1, that brought me to repentance. Now, some of you guys may have a passage that the Lord has used to bring you to himself. For me, this was it. I was a drummer at a Latin jazz band in Hollywood. I thought I had it made. I thought I was having a good time. And I got home one late night, broken, empty, and I didn't know what was wrong with me. And after that night, the only passage that came up was, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of mockers. You know, I had that psalm memorized, and I don't even know why. Uh, Obviously, I took the time to memorize it before, but because I had it stored in my heart and in my mind, in this moment, the Lord uses this passage to convict me, to teach me the things that didn't click before, to bring up some of the pain, some of the issues that I was dealing with, and to redirect me, to sing a new song into my heart for a place where I needed to go. And so this is the psalm that the Lord used for me personally from, to bring me to redemption. This is my calling psalm, if, if, if I may. But if you want to use it for yourself, you may as well, okay? I'm willing to share. Psalm 1. Today's sermon title is The Two Ways. And I want to read this with you. The, the first psalm uh, falls under this, the wisdom category. So this is a psalm of wisdom. Let's pay attention because if we want to get wise, let's read this and let's pay attention to it. And it says this, read along with me. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Bow your heads and let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word today. Thank you, Father, for just your act of love to preserve these beautiful songs, these beautiful psalms, Lord Jesus, to guide us, to direct us, to help us in everything that we go through in life, Lord. So Lord, we ask that you would speak to us today through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Wisdom from the Lord. Uh, this particular psalm, it's like a gateway or a foyer, if you would. Think of yourself just walking into a lobby and there's two doors. You got to go one way. This is what it is. This is that moment where you have to realize there are only two ways. And I'm going to talk to you about the two ways. This is the title of our sermon. And throughout the entirety of the Bible, it is made clear to us that there are only two ways that we may walk. And if you think that there's a third one, a neutral, you're wrong. There isn't. And the Bible makes that extremely clear. And as we grow wiser and richer in the word of the Lord, we realize, yep, there are only two ways. And so the first way is the way of the righteous, which leads to life. And then the second way is the way of the wicked, which leads to death. So let's look at the way of life together, verses 1 through 3. It says, blessed is the man. That word blessed is key. We have to consider this word because it's not just to be blessed, although that's what it says. But this word means to be happy, to be privileged, to be fulfilled. 
Everyone in this planet is looking to be happy, yes? Everyone in this planet wants some kind of privilege. We live in a world where we complain about privilege, but the fact of the matter is people are complaining about privilege because they don't feel privileged. Okay, everyone wants this. I want to tell you something. The Bible makes it clear that those who follow the way of life are privileged. And it's just the Lord's favor over us. And I like to say this a lot because it's so true to me. Favor ain't fair. This is the Lord's just way of pouring his love over us. Blessed is the man. Happy is the person who is fulfilled because he walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Here's the thing. He walks not in the counsel of the wicked because he walks in the wisdom of the Lord. And that's where this blessedness comes from. This sense of fulfillment and happiness is because they have something that is important and crucial. And that's the wisdom of the Lord. God's wisdom versus the world's wisdom. When we have the wisdom of God in our hearts, planted in our hearts, we're able to maneuver through life circumstances so much better. To the point where we're blessed, we're happy, we're making the good decisions, we're leaning towards the word of God, right? Look at what Proverbs says here in chapter 313. Solomon also says, blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than gain from silver and her profits is better than gold. Talking about wisdom. And so the person is blessed who has the wisdom of the Lord. The wisdom of the Lord walks not in certain directions and leans always according to the will and the word of the Lord. And so we can say that happy or even privileged is the person who is wise and exercises that wisdom. Because it's one thing to know something, but to walk it is a totally different thing. And so uh, we, we continue to go there and it says, why? Why is that person blessed? And it's interesting that he doesn't, the psalmist here, I don't know who wrote this psalm, by the way. We don't know, if, I don't, we don't think this is David. But the psalmist says, he kind of goes into why that person is blessed and it's because he does not do a few things. Instead of what he does, it focuses on what he does not do. And it says, he walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Now to walk here doesn't literally mean just to take a step and to walk. This means a lifestyle. To walk away means a particular lifestyle that you have chosen to walk. This blessed man, this person who is rich in happiness and in the wisdom of God, walks not in the counsel of the wicked. This is important. To walk in the counsel of the wicked means to, to live in a way that is informed by that counsel, which is informed by the world rather than by Christ. Look at Colossians 2.8. It tells us to see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Here's the thing. We're going to hear voices all over we're going to hear information. We're going to get advice from everyone. And even if we don't want it, we receive it from somewhere. We have to consider who is our sphere of influence, not just those that we influence, but what influences us? What are we watching? Who are we listening to? Is it the word of the Lord or is it the counsel of the wicked? Okay. And so the person who walks not in the counsel of the wicked considers that counsel and weighs it like the Bereans did, right? They examined the scriptures to see whether or not Paul was speaking truth or if he was making something up. But the Bible tells us that true happiness is found nowhere else but in the wisdom of the Lord. 
And so it, it continues. And in fact, I want to share this other uh, passage from Paul. It says in 1 Corinthians 3.19, he explains, For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. So even if you think that the world has a really good idea that will lead you to true happiness, that good idea, quote unquote, good idea is nothing but foolishness compared to the wisdom of God. And so what's important is to note is that we will not and cannot, we, it is impossible for anybody to experience that genuine, fulfilling happiness outside of the wisdom of the Lord, if we're looking at through the counsel of the wicked. Now, everyone wants to be happy, yes? Then why aren't we pursuing the way of the Lord? And it could be several reasons. And it could be several reasons, and that's why you and I exist. That's why the Lord has called us to proclaim the good news of the gospel that people may know and come to salvation. Now, those who walk in the counsel of the wicked cannot and will not ever experience genuine, pure, and long-lasting happiness. But the person who walks not in this way, the Bible says, is blessed, truly happy. Verse 1 goes on and says, Nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now, this is interesting because look at this sequence of events that happens. And this is essential to look at this. It, essentially, it's saying the same thing. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. If you kind of evaluate that, it's saying the same thing. But there is a progression here in action, which I find it very interesting. It starts from walking. The person who walks is perhaps being uh, or, or living a lifestyle that's just instructed by the surroundings and they don't realize where they stand. But the person who's standing is someone who's actually in agreement with that particular philosophy or counsel, let's say, or way, that particular lifestyle. Then the person who sits in the seat of scoffer is one who is arrogant and knows exactly what they're doing. And they happily identify with the seat of scoffers. In fact, there are the ones who are instructing this counsel that comes from the wicked. And so this, this situation of from bad to worse, okay, the blessed person does not do this. And I think that's fascinating to realize the blessed man instead, it says, his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law, he meditates day and night. So instead of associating with the wicked, the blessed person who walks in the way of life takes pleasure, pleasure in God's law. Now, you know, uh, when I first read this thing, I had no idea how to delight in the law of the Lord. It just did not make sense to me because when I looked at the law of the Lord, I thought, how can I find delight in such a thing? It seems impossible. It seems harsh. It seems complicated. But the more we realize who God is and the character of God and why his law is established and his heart behind it, the more we learn to love it and we realize that his law is actually good. It is perfect. It is just. It is fulfilling. It is loving. It is gracious. It is compassionate. It is merciful. It is full of the things that we need and don't deserve. It is what brings us peace. It is what controls chaos. It is what brings us to redemption. It is what ultimately every human being desires. And so when we start learning that and realizing it, we begin to delight in it. And we begin to find pleasure in coming to his word and learning about him. This delight is the one that the wise have. They want to pursue and dig deep. They want to really uh, work out their salvation, as, as the gospel says, with fear and trembling and find out what it 
truly is saying and grow from there to delight is to love it, to the love it. You know, like, for example, I love how Solomon also delights in the law of the, of the world, and he also delights in just expressing how he loves his, his wife, right? And so, you know, I, I, sometimes when we, when we delight in something, we can't stop thinking about it, you know? Have you ever had that? You, you're delighting in something. You, you, you love it, so you can't stop thinking about it. And so before you know it, you're saying poetic things about whatever it is that you're thinking because you find delight in that. And that's where songs come out, right? And that's where these beautiful poems come out. Like, for example, I love this example because Solomon is so hilarious. I was sharing this with my wife. Just this, the way he chooses to put together his poetry. He says, behold, you are beautiful, my love. Behold, you are beautiful. He says, your eyes are doves behind your veil. This is where it gets funny for me, but he, he really meant it. This is from the bottom of his heart. And he says, your hair is like a flock of goats, (laughs) you know, leaping from the hills of Gilead. It's like, wow. Uh, So I'm having this conversation with my wife and we think it's funny because we just like, really? Your hair is as beautiful as goats? It just, it doesn't seem like a compliment. But this is what they knew. This is what they valued. This was important for them. To have a flock of goats was a symbolism of rich, right? Riches and prosperity and goodness. And he's comparing this. He's delighting in this and realizing the blessing that's through all of this and associated with the person in whom he delights. And this is what the blessed man does. He delights in the law of the Lord, in his word, in his ways. The one who walks in the way of the righteous, the way of life, by the way, delights in the word of God. And he or she will have that in mind always. Everything that we process in life will be according to the wisdom of God because we know and we delight in his word. Everything that life throws at us, uh, whoever walks in righteousness processes it through the word of God. But the person who walks in the path of wicked processes it according to the wisdom of the world. And so as a result of processing things according to the wisdom of God, of delighting in God's word, verse three, it says, he is like a tree that's planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. Like a tree. You know, Jeremiah also uses this psalm to make a point. In Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8, he says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water and does not fear when he comes. For its leaves remain green and it's not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cause or cease to bear fruit. Now, I love that Jeremiah gives us a little bit more insight on what this saying. What they're saying here, the psalmist and Jeremiah, they're comparing the blessed person to a healthy tree. That's a pretty good comparison, actually, because a healthy tree is stable. It's well-nourished, it's fruitful, and it's prosperous. A healthy tree doesn't go anywhere, right? A healthy tree is actually very beneficial. We love them. We need them. They provide exactly what we need. They bear fruit. They provide the shade. But the one that's near streams of waters will lack nothing, even when the heat comes. It has nothing to worry about because its its foundation is good. It's, it's, It's fueled by, it's fed by the word of the Lord. 
And it says, in all that he does, he prospers. In fact, that's the end of the section there that we're going through with the path of life. To prosper is to have success, to go from glory to glory. It's the same Hebrew word that's used here in Genesis chapter 39, verse 3, in regards to Joseph. It says this, his master, who's Potiphar, by the way, saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed or to prosper in his hands. So the, the person who works out the wisdom of the Lord, who practices the wisdom of the Lord, who is blessed, prospers because the Lord blesses what they do. Because if we're functioning and processing everything according to the law of the Lord, we're going to make good decisions. We're going to deal with life appropriately and we're going to have success in everything that we do. And so many wonder why their lives are so terrible because perhaps they're not walking according to the wisdom of the world. And so the next thing I want to show you is the other way, the, the, the contradiction here, and that's the way of death. And so the way of wicked, verse 4 and 5, it says, The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff that the wind drives away. They are not so blessed. They are not so like that tree that's planted by streams of water. And instead it says, they are like chaff that the wind drives away. I have a picture of chaff in case you don't know. Chaff is the husks and the stalks of wheat that is literally blown away by the wind. And the good stuff falls into the pile, the grain falls into the pile, but the chaff is separated from the good stuff. That's the bad stuff. So the stuff that you see in the wind right there, those are just husks, it's trash. And the wicked are not so like the planted tree, but they're instead like this. Do you know what happens to chaff? It gets burnt. They pile it up somewhere and they burn it up. In fact, John the Baptist uh, speaks about this in, in regards to the authority of Jesus in Matthew 3, 12. He says, his winnowing fork in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff will be burnt with the unquenchable fire. The wicked walk in a path that leads to death. That's the bottom line. And so... They're set apart. They are separated from the good stuff. In other words, those who are wicked or who walk according to the wisdom of the world will be condemned in the time of judgment. And condemned sinners will have no place among the godly. John 8.44, it says this, You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. Where he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And in Matthew 25, 41, he says, Then he will say to those just described there on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You see, the way of the wicked leads to death and damnation. The Bible makes that clear. There's only two ways. One that leads to life and the other one leads to death. And so for us, it is important to realize that the Lord is just, the Lord is good, and he understands everything. It says in verse 5, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. They will be found condemned, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. They will be separated from the good. Verse 6, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is deep. This is something for us to really think about. We cannot escape the wisdom of the Lord, his knowledge. He sees all. He's omniscient. He's omnipotent. He knows all that's going on. And I love what this series of verses that I'm about to read to you say, because it's a great gospel presentation of what we have to do. One, repent, therefore, and turn back, 
that your sins may be blotted out. Why? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But if we confess our sins, that he is faithful, just, and he is just to forgive us our sin, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So here's the deal. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans says that we are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. And so we're all in that moment, that foyer, if you will. And there are two paths. One that leads to life and the other one that leads to death. That's it. And we all are deserving of the one that leads to death because we instinctively walk that path. Because we instinctively, instinctively want to do the things that bring us pleasure. It is the self-serve path. It is the one that leads to vanities of vanities. And then the other one, we can only go by the grace of God. We aren't even inclined to walk that way. But by his grace, by his love, we are redeemed and we're put in that path that leads to righteousness. And so that's the question. What path are we walking? We have to realize that we're either walking in the way of the wicked or we're walking in the path that leads to life. And so I'm going to leave you with a few takeaways here. Psalm 1 gives us the exact formula for such a life that leads to happiness. And I think that we all want that. The first takeaway is follow God and his instructions. You want to be happy? You want to be happy, happy, happy? Follow God and his instructions. The more you learn about it, the more you dig into it, the more you'll love it and you will begin to hate your sin. Unfortunately, many think that there are many other ways to achieve this happiness, but it is just not so. Many, thing, many people would conceive that if they only had more money, they would be happy. If they only had better relationships, they would be happy. If they only had better things, that they would be happy. Better car, a better career, whatever it may be. None of these things lead to true happiness, that true fulfillment, because all of those things separate us from our creator, the one who can only bring us to that heart of being fulfilled in him. Now, takeaway number two, following God's way ultimately guarantees a life of genuine joy and happiness. You want to put this to the test? Do it. Follow God. In order to follow God, you have to know who he is. And so if you're going to follow him, you're going to have to figure out, okay, what does he say about this and that? And what does that mean for me? Fortunately, he has given us a beautiful tool called the Psalter. And so when we don't know, when we need a new song in our heart, we will find it there. What's beautiful about this Psalter, these Psalms, and we're going to see a few of these, that even when we're in a place of distress, even when we're in a place of lament, even when we're in a place where we don't know what to do but curse the Lord, you see examples of people who feel that same way, but they're redirected to praise for the Lord, understanding that even in the midst of trial, there's glory to be found, there's mercy to be found, and God is good and he wastes no suffering. And to him be the glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. So let's think about that. There's only two ways, one that leads to life and one that leads to death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I just ask that you would really press in our hearts to examine ourselves, Lord Jesus, whether we walk the way of righteousness or the way of the wicked. Lord, I thank you for my salvation, and I thank you that you used this passage to draw me to you. I pray that you would do the same for others, Father, perhaps in this room, others who are not here, Lord Jesus, but are seeking you, who are seeking a fulfillment of heart, genuine happiness, Lord, the blessedness that only comes from you, Father. 
Lord, forgive us, Lord Jesus, for walking, Father, in the way that we shouldn't. We ask, Father, you would redeem us and draw us to you. And we thank you for your word that comforts us, that guides us, that redirects us according to your will and your love. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.